Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's me! That's right. Welcome to another edition of Paranormal Almanac. I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig. And on this edition, let's go around the world and talk about haunted schools and universities. But first, as always, we have shout-outs. That's right, we have shout-outs going out to Izzard Breath, Dusty, Roger, Michael, Dustin, Matthew, Alicia, wait, Alicia, damn it, almost had it, Derek, Breck, Derek, Becca, Josh, Alexis, Jen, Elizabeth, Void Tech, Steve, Sherry, Art Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Damian, and Daniel, Ian, Eric, Brandon, Jen, Alexandra, Simon, George, Connie, Seth, Christine, Jason, Hayden, Cindy, Kim, Adam, Ashley, what's that? Ian, Carrie, Ezram, Robin, Will, Jim, Kelly, Lauren and Phil Mangano, L Russell, Tanya, Donald, Chris, Brandon, April, Seth, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Sean Bishop, Cole, Paul, Paula, oh, gee, sorry, Jerry, Leo, Austin, Lindsay Hahn, Jennifer, Megan, Aaron, Amy, Jeff T, Harley, Suzanne, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren McCune, hey, howdy, hi, Lily, Veronica, Nick, Autumn, J. Mark, Carolyn, Martin, Darth Pikachu, Jaden and Ashy, Megan, Heidi, Kira, Pablo, Chuck, Laura Rutho, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Juliana, Dan, Dill, Laura Pitts, and GamerFan. As always, a very special shout-out to Joe Teague. Alrighty, before we really get into this episode, I wanted to ask you guys to let me know how the sound is. I've gotten a variety of emails, so I don't know what to do with it. Got a bunch of emails saying, hey man, sound is really quiet on the new episodes. For the past like 10 or 15 episodes, sound has been really quiet. And then I get other emails going, dude, what is going on? It's way too loud, just way too loud. I gotta really turn down my stereo podcast player, whatever they're listening to it on. So I don't know what to do. I'm hoping, like I listen to these back before I, you know, when I'm doing the editing, I listen to them and I've, I've not noticed too, too crazy quiet or too, too crazy loud. And I always keep the settings roughly around the same spot since I've gotten this new board. So I don't know. You tell me on Facebook, however you want to tell me. You can email me at paranormalalmanac at gmail.com. Not just to complain about the sound, but if you want to email me, um, if you have personal paranormal stories, if you want me to read them for you, if you don't want to call in, that's totally fine. Send them to me there. I'll, I'll make sure I read them. If you have, um, if you're a guest, if you have like some connection to the paranormal world and you want to be a guest on the show, that's the best place to do it is to paranormalalmanac at gmail.com or the Facebook page. But just let me know, like, hey, here's my thing. I'm an author. I'm a ghost hunter. I do X, Y, and Z. As long as it's a valid reason, I would love to have you on the show. I love talking to people about the paranormal, so why not? It's a lot of fun. But, all right, with that being said, let's head on over to Paranormal News. Paranormal News. All right. The first story in paranormal news is kind of like a double whammy of paranormal goodness. I was like, whoa, this has got a little bit of everything. An alleged UFO sighting at Skinwalker Ranch. That's right. Good old Skinwalker Ranch is back in the news, but with a UFO sighting this time. Well, not just this time. They've had it before, but a new one at Skinwalker Ranch. Brandon Fugel's eyewitness account on Jessup's Journal. The story says there's some things that can't be explained. In this episode of UFO or of Utah Success Stories, you'll see a preview of a nearly 30-minute interview with the owner of a supposedly cursed land in Utah, Skinwalker Ranch, which is the subject of a History Channel TV series. I don't know if that TV series is coming back, though. It's been a while since they've been off the air. I hope it is. I, I'll, I'll admit, it wasn't the best paranormal show. There, there were things that I was like, well... I don't exactly trust that they found that gold piece the way they said they did, and some of that stuff seemed awful fake, but it was entertaining. I'll watch another season of it. Anyhow, back to the news story. It says, Legend has it that the supernatural activities occur on a piece of land surrounded by the Ute Indian Reservation in Utah. We already know all that. Um, let's see. 
His, uh, his team says they've experienced unexplained phenomena. I was surprised at how open he was. As he told me, the first six months of owning it, we really saw myself, saw nothing myself that would lead me to believe there was anything unusual there. But what we just saw definitely is an unidentified flying object, a craft, 40 to 50 foot long silver disc hovering right above the mesa, right in front of us. It wasn't just a blinking light in the sky or something that was a little bit ambiguous. This was a solid object that appeared out of nowhere, could move in a blink of an eye, and over a 20-second period, perform maneuvers that I believe defy any propulsion physics that we're acquainted with. And he goes on to say, you know, like, how freaky it was to watch it. But that's pretty much the, the crux of the story. I just like the fact that Skinwalker Ranch is back in the news. I'll always read a good Skinwalker Ranch uh, news story. All righty, up next in paranormal news. Want to spend the night in a haunted prison? Montana has the place for you. I'm going to answer that one first. Um, Want to spend the night in a haunted prison? No. No, I don't. Um, prisons are scary as well, but as, as it is. You don't have to throw haunted in there. But maybe I will because um, through the spring and summer on select days at the old Montana prison in Deer Lodge, you will have a chance to spend the night in a haunted prison. Oh, wait, there's actually, let's see, hold on a second. Let me go back to this, turn this up a little bit. I want to hear what they're saying. But I don't know if I can. Let's try it again. ...within its oh, walls, and some of whom may still be incarcerated there, at least in spirit. It's because of this that Ghost Hunts USA, a company that sponsors paranormal investigation for both believers and non-believers, is set to do a series of overnights at the prison this spring and summer. I spoke with Tyler Evans, one of the founding members of the company, and he says the old Montana prison is one of their favorite places to visit. Okay, well, that's awesome. I mean, that is cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, slagging him off or anything, but I can just read you what he's about to say. So this guy, Krista Rose, says that uh, the history behind the old Montana prison in Deer Lodge is a grim one. Not only is this place foreboding in appearance, but it also once housed some of the worst criminals in the state, some of whom came to tragic ends within its walls, and some of whom may still be there. It's uh, because of this that Ghost Hunts USA is going to do paranormal investigations for both believers and non-believers and overnight stays at the prison this spring and summer. So it's a great fun place. It's one of my favorite places to go to haunt up uh, to do paranormal haunts, paranormal investigations, I assume. It's spooky anyway during the day, but when the lights go out and you're there and there's only one entrance in, so you're going into maximum, that's it. When you're there and we're asking the spirit world to do certain things like open a door or to not for us to use our equipment. I don't know what that means. Uh, to open a door or not for us to use our equipment and they do it, that door you just walked through seems so far away. Let's see. For each, each investigation goes from about 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. And you can stay with the professionals throughout the night if you want. Or you're welcome to go off on your own. Now you're talking. Now this is very cool. Normally by 1 a.m., that's when free time normally starts. The guests have an understanding of what they have to do, questions to ask, and how they should approach the spirit world. And they go off and do it and get their own evidence. And they want us to go with them. We'll go with them. But if they want to be left alone, they're left alone. Sounds very cool. Sounds really cool. Now, it doesn't have a location for, I can, you know, like I can lead you to to find it. But my guess is if you just look up the old Montana prison in Deer Lodge, you're going to find information. Yes, here it is. Ghosthuntsusa.com slash old Montana prison ghost hunt. So if you're in or around Montana... Definitely do this. I would do this if I was near. If it was closer to me, I would totally do it. If they flew me out, I would totally do it and do an episode from there. But that seems like a real cool, fun, funky thing to do. All righty, up next in paranormal news. With more time to look up, sightings of UFOs are surging in the pandemic. They say that people are reporting these events, and that doesn't surprise me. We've kind of heard or seen this kind of thing over and over and over again anyway. But here's another news article saying, in the years since she says extraterrestrial beings took her from her suburban yard outside Rochester, New York, Virginia Stringfellow has kept her story mostly within a close-knit community of people who say they've also encountered UFOs. But over the past year, she said she noticed that that pool has grown. 
each of her monthly locals-only UFO meetups. Oh, I'd like to do that. That'd be cool, too. They average about five new people who believe they have seen a mysterious object in the sky, not including about 50 out-of-towners who have tried to join. She says, now I have to turn people away. And um, let's see, this Virginia Stringfellow, she's 75. She does this monthly meetup, which, again, that sounds really cool. Locals only UFO meetup uh, around Rochester, New York. And they say that sightings of unidentified objects in 2020 nearly doubled in New York from the previous year to about 300, according to data compiled by the National UFO Reporting Center. They also rose by about 1,000 nationwide to more than 7,200 sightings. A bunch of stuff. And that's the rest of it. Uh, so, but that's kind of cool. I like the fact that there are people meeting up on a monthly basis to talk about things that they've seen that they can't explain and that there seems to be way more UFO sightings. Unfortunately, though, even though there's been more UFO sightings, this next news story said there's been more of other things as well because the pandemic brings more calls for exorcism ministry by Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And that's in the uh, oh hell no part of Paranormal News. A Catholic priest who gets thousands of calls for exorcism a year around central Indiana says the isolation that the coronavirus pandemic has brought has only made it worse. But it's extra time the pandemic has provided that has given him the time to write a book about his experiences. His name, Reverend Vince Lampert. He grew up on the west side of Indianapolis in Howellville, and he was the, uh, it doesn't matter what he was, um, he was initially appointed to the exorcism ministry. He was one of 12 in the United States. Now there's more than 125 in 15 years. He says, yeah, I've seen it all. I've seen levitations, eyes roll back to the back of the head, foaming at the mouth, people falling on the floor and slither like a snake across the ground, speaking languages otherwise unknown to an individual, exhibiting superhuman strength, he says that um, it's a battle that priests have been fighting for a millennia. No matter how terrifying it might seem to some, there's nothing that scares them. He says, no, not when it comes to demonic. I don't lose sleep over this. Wow, good on you, dude. I want to I talk to this guy. They say that Lambert is a appointed exorcism, exorcist for the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's also the pastor of two parishes in Franklin County, which includes St. Peter's Church and St. Michael's Church. He's been an ordained priest for 30 years, and again, for the last 15 years, he's been an exorcist. Ever since the previous person died. Um, I always say I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I looked around to make sure there was, wasn't someone else behind me that he was actually talking to when he said, yep, you're going to be an exorcist. Yeah, I, you know what? It's a, there's a longer part of the story, but I got to be honest, I really want to talk to him. But again, he wrote a book, and the book is called Exorcism. The Battle Against Satan and His Demons. It's currently for sale online, including Amazon. So if you're into that kind of thing, there you go. Oh, I want to read this part. He said, for skeptics, I can just propose that I look at myself as an ambassador for the church. So I present what the church believes and teaches. And then it's ultimately up to you, the people, to decide what you're going to do with that. Sure, I agree with that statement. Um, again, I'm going to have to try and reach out to him, see so he'll feel come on to the, on the show. I, I would really like to talk to an, an exorcist. I think that'd be cool. Even though it scares the bejesus out of me, but whatever. Alrighty, up next in Paranormal News, this is a story that a couple people are, have sent me, and heck yeah, thank you for doing it. And a couple people also posted on the um, Facebook fan page, which again, heck yeah, I love seeing stories pop up on there. Images leaked from Pentagon investigation show UFO swarms above Navy destroyer. Let's see, the task force has been gathering evidence for a comprehensive report that you guys all know about because I keep talking about it, which is due in June. And part of that report is to educate other military and intelligence officials about the nature of the UFO mysteries. But the new images were gathered by the task force and obtained by investigative filmmaker Jerry Corbell, Jeremy Corbell, who confirmed their authenticity. They show, yeah, they really do. They show like a triangle-shaped object, swarm of them, and there's a video, so as always, I wait till I'm on air to play the video. Nope, that's a commercial. You guys aren't going to hear the commercial. Alrighty, while the video's loading up, it's going to take seven seconds for this commercial to end. 
They say one remarkable video was recorded in July of 2019 by naval officers using a night vision device showing what appears to be a pyramid shaped hovering 700 feet above a destroyer. Yep, that's what it's showing, all right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely pyramid shaped, but it's also flashing like, like our aircraft does. Hmm. It has that, that register, that blink, 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 blink flash to it, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. They say the video was taken on deployment from the USS Russell. It shows what they described as vehicles, and they made a great distinction. They made sure in this classified briefing that this is not something that we own, either a black project that is not something of a foreign military, and then these are behaving in ways that we did not expect, that they were, you know, shaped non-aerodynamically, like pyramids. These are flying pyramids. Well, I mean, it's a triangle for sure. I don't see a pyramid in that video, but again, maybe there's more to the video than what I can just see right here, but... It's definitely a triangle, but to say that there's no triangular aircraft out there, well, that's wrong. I mean, they've got a lot of triangular aircraft. So, interesting, nonetheless. I'm very eager to read that report in June, and you know I'll be talking about it. Okay. Up next in paranormal news, tour one of the most haunted buildings in East Texas. If you enjoy ghost hunting shows, well, we got a place for you. The most haunted building in East Texas, the Museum for East Texas Culture. The event begins at 7 p.m. and goes until midnight, Friday, April 9th. Oh, my God, that's tonight. Hey, all right, you got this is real short notice, but if you have the ability, go there tonight. It's uh, Friday, April 9th at 400 South Michou Avenue in East Texas. Sure, why not? Um, doesn't really give the full address, but, hey, look, if you're in Texas, you'll know where this is. Um, the reservations are available, are required, and available online for $59. This garnered a lot of attention in the paranormal community, and they said this place is haunted. So tickets are on, on sale, and they also include a psychic, a history, and ghost hunting tours, and the opportunity to explore on your own. Participants will have access to HRA equipment, including trigger objects, EMF meters, dowsing rods, and more. Refreshments will also be available. That sounds like fun. Again, short notice. Sorry, everybody. But if you're near there, go there. All righty. Let's keep it on, keep it on. There's actually some more stories. There's a lot of stories in paranormal news. You can own an allegedly haunted Florida jail for $140,000. That's right. The, Gil the Gilchrist County Jail in Trenton, Florida, is now for sale for roughly $140,000. That's right, the defunct jail recently hit the real estate market for $139,990. For that asking price, buyers get eight bedrooms, eight baths, and a notorious history of ghost sightings. The old Gilchrist County Jail was constructed in 1928 and operated in north-central Florida until 1968. In 1966, a jailer's residence was built on the property where it still stands today. Prior to that, the inmates, inmates spent many nights locked away without supervision from guards. Some ghost hunters who have visited the building claim to have recorded disembodied conversations and objects moving on their own. The site is currently owned by Arlene Hale, who is a paranormal enthusiast who received the jail as a gift from her husband. That's a cool gift. Crazy, weird, but cool. She spent the last decade hosting ghost tours and monthly gatherings where people can experience any alleged presence hauntings, presences haunting the property firsthand. Prospective buyers may even, be, may even be invited to attend the next ghost hunters meeting. The cells of a jail aren't the coziest, coziest of places to rest your head at night, but they can make for a unique tourist attraction for aspiring business owners. If you're interested in owning the quarter-acre, two-story jail and any spirits, contact the realtor. Yeah, all right. So there you go. If you're looking for a gift for me, um, if you're thinking, you know, I like this podcast, I want to get him a gift. How about... The old Gilchrist County Jail. Sounds terrifying, yet cool. Alrighty, up next. Um, oh, this next one is a serious, damn it, someone buy me this. If you're, if you're torn between, well, I don't know if I really want to buy him a jail, then buy me this. This is cool. I, want, I really, really want this one. And there's no possible way I can even remote, I can't even afford the jail, the Florida jail, let alone this one. Loch Ness Campsite goes on the market for at least $2 million, or 2 million pounds, I suppose. 
A Loch Ness campsite has been put up for sale with the price tag starting at 2 million pounds. Loch Ness Shores, which sits right next to the shores of the loch, is a five-star rated uh, campground, I guess, campsite by Visit Scotland. The 18.9-acre site is going on the market because the owner is retiring. Park has around 300 meters of loch frontage and also includes its own private slipway, salmon fishing permits, and a site license for 124 tourists, tents, or motorhomes. Other features include a new bistro and a one-bedroom owner's apartment. See, I could live right there on the loch all day looking out for Nessie, not a monster, and tell you guys when I... Oh, that'd be amazing. So, again, if you're looking for a gift for me, either a haunted jail in Florida or more importantly, higher up on my list, a campsite on Loch Ness. How cool is that? All righty, I think that's about it. No, actually, there's one more. Nah, that's about it. I'm going I'm to skip this one. That'll do it for Paranormal News. We've it's, it's really gone on too long. So that's about it for Paranormal News. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We are back. Okay. For this edition, I decided I wasn't going to just randomly start talking about haunted schools and universities. Like I wasn't just going to, you know, start picking and choosing and jumping all around the world. And I also wasn't going to call this one haunted universities around the world and then talk like say one school in, I don't know, Australia and then talk about nothing but American schools. Nope. I'm slightly better than that. So, on this edition, I will start with a few international. And I'm going to sprinkle in just a touch of American universities in every other schoolish kind of a thing. Going international means one big thing, though. I'm guaranteed to mispronounce things. So, here is another chance for you to correct my recorded voice out loud while you listen to this to make yourself feel better and make it seem like we're having a conversation where I do almost all of the talking. So if that's something you're into, here we go. All right, let's start in China. Now, I got to say, I love paranormal stories from China because not a lot seems to get out of China. And when I do find one, I always want to throw it in the episode. In fact, I think I start and finish with a China story. Don't quote me on that, but I think I do. So this episode might be bookended. You know what? I should, if I'm going to say that, I might as well just look. Is this episode bookmarked? Yeah. So this episode is actually bookmarked with China. That's how international we're getting. We're starting with China. We're going to end with China. So you'll know when it's coming, when the end is coming, when the end is near. All righty. Speaking of international locations, if you want me to be at a paranormal convention near you, you find out about a paranormal convention near you, the best way to do it, before I jump into this story, the best way I can do it, around the world, there's a paranormal convention near you, please hit them up and say, have you thought about having Paranormal Almanac as a guest to your convention? I've found that when it comes from the fans, they're more apt to reach out to me to say, hey, you know, we got fans that are saying they really want to see you at this convention. And it seems to be the best way to do it. And since, you know, the world's slowly opening back up, but I am vaccinated, let's do that. If you hear of any paranormal conventions near you, please reach out to them saying you want Paranormal Almanac at that convention. It helps me, it helps you, and it helps me. So that's helping me twice. Alrighty, I can ramble and drink uh, live right in front of you at one of those conventions. It's it's really entertaining from what I've been told. And if you haven't seen one of the live episodes, oh, it's even it's like a live episode, but more real, more HD. So there's your chance. Alrighty, let's go to the Peking University though for this first one in this episode. It was founded in 1898. It only has a handful of ghost stories. And I'll be honest, most seem like legends. It's really hard to determine where the ghosts are even seen, though. You'll, you'll find out in a second. But I'm going to try my best to tell the tale. This one took me down a couple of different rabbit holes. And again, I think I have the information correct, but I'm not 100% sure because it's really hard 
to find verifiable stuff from like a Chinese website or someone that was there. So again, bear with me, but I think I have it right. So Peking University, once again, founded in 1898, but in 1989, sadly, the Tiananmen Square demonstration happened. And that's when a number of Peking University students protested and again, sadly, were gunned down. Now, how many actually were killed is unknown. It ranges online from a few hundred to several thousands, and it seems like the thousands figure is more accurate. Okay, so this is where I, this is the part where I say I don't know exactly where they're seen, but it seems the university is said to be haunted by the students that died that day. But again, I don't really know if it's happening at the university or 18 and a half kilometers from the university at Tiananmen Square. I have found that, yes, Peking students, Peking University students were killed that day in the Tiananmen Square demonstration. But I don't know if they, you know, if they haunt the square or the university. It's really hard to unravel. But from everything I found, going down this rabbit hole, I personally think the student ghosts are seen and heard in and around where they were killed in the square. People have reported angry shouts and gunshots are heard there, and horrible smells are reported there, too. A lot of paranormal activity seems to be happening around Tiananmen Square, and I have to admit, I'll, I'll be fully honest with you, I was really unaware of the massive loss of life that day. I knew it was bad. I remember seeing it when it was happening, that, you know, that student standing in front of the tank. It was horrific, but I honestly had no idea just how bad. But that being said, it seems like it's happening at the square, but I did find a couple of ghost stories from the campus too, like seeing someone and then they disappear Screams inside empty classrooms and dorms, like the basics, cold spots, voices, etc., stuff like that. So maybe it's both. Maybe ultimately it's both. But um, it's definitely a, a scary one to start with. So let's keep on keeping on. Let's move on to the University of Toronto. Holy crap. I can see why this school, they have a magazine called the U of T magazine, and it ranks itself as one of the most haunted schools in Canada. And I can see why. I found a couple of stories, and I was like, well, that was very cool. Then I did more research, found a couple more stories, then I did more research, and the stories just keep coming out of this school. All right, on the campus, there's a building called Christie Mansion. And as with most ghost stories, it was one of those love affairs gone wrong, and that makes a ghost. Because around 1870... The mansion's owner, Robert Christie, who was a rich businessman, but also an asshole, had a mistress who he kept hidden from everyone in either a secret room or a secret chamber behind his library. Now, it's now called Room 29, so that's why I'm assuming it's a secret room. But still, he's keeping his mistress locked up when she's not pleasing him or whatever, into this little secret room. Well, the mistress gets more and more depressed about being hidden away all the time and hanged herself in that room. Now, people see and hear her in the mansion to this day, but there are also reports of rooms being locked on their own with no explanations. So, everybody's like, oh, it's her ghost. But my question is, who's the ghost? It really Is it really her locking those rooms? Because to me... It sounds like that Robert dude is still locking people up in the mansion because there are other stories which I can't be ver- which grain of salt time can't be verified. But there are other stories of people saying, like you know, I se- I stepped into this room, the door locked behind me, the door slammed and locked behind me, and then I couldn't unlock it. I had to pound on the door until someone came and just opened the doorknob from the outside. It was unlocked. But again, spooky story. But I can't verify it. But that sounds to me like the Robert dude, not like. The poor mistress, which doesn't even get a name in this story, like, she got the shaft on all of it. But anyhow, uh, let's see. There's another true legend ghost story, and this one is about two stonemasons who fought each other over a woman in the school in 1850. Now, remember, um, all right, so the, the mansion was around from 1870. This one happened in around 1850s. Paul Diabolos and Ivan Reznikov, 
which they've been verified, these, these two men existed, fought each other over a woman. So it seems like the two of these guys were both in love with the same woman. Ivan was engaged to her, and he saved a ton of money for a wedding and a life together. But enter Paul, who she started cheating on Ivan with. And the woman and Paul steal all that money that Ivan was, you know, saving up to plan to run away. Um, they steal all this money, Ivan finds out, and corners them in the work site of the school as the school is being built at the southwest corner of the building. Now, Paul had a dagger, but Ivan grabbed a workman's axe. So, you know, Ivan should have won because axe beats dagger, but Paul, like, runs away. He gets away. He runs up a corridor, and when Ivan goes around the corner to, like, chase after him, boom, Paul daggers him, and Ivan falls dead to the ground. Paul takes Ivan's body. They throw him down the stairwell and apparently cover him up because they didn't find his bones until a fire swept through the school in 1890, 40 years later. Now, to this day, it's said that the ghost, his ghost roams the school. Other buildings are reportedly haunted, like the Hart House Theater, the Hart House Theater, the Laid Law Library, the Christie Mansion, Massey College, and the Wahlberg Building. I mean, there is a lot there is a lot of ghosts going on in this building. Now, students, professors, security, they have all had the basic ghost sighting stories and sounds and sights and everything. So, you know, when I hit the basics, it's time to move on. But not leave U of T because it has even more ghosts like Robertson Davies, who was the master of the school for 18 years, well, he did these lavish annual Christmas parties where he would delight his guests with ghost stories. Now, one year he was telling his guests all about these ghost stories, and he said, you know, when I die, I'm going to haunt the college. And, well, I guess he's a man of his word because he immediately, I'm talking immediately followed his death. His ghost was spotted by someone who knew him. They went, wait, what the hell? That's Robertson. He's dead. So they go around the corner to be like, hey, uh, how are you here? You're dead. And boom, he had vanished into thin air. They said, again, almost immediately following his death, objects started moving on their own, or people would find them in places where they never could have gotten to in an instant. Like, it didn't, it's not a cell phone, but say like, oh, I'll say teacup. Oh, I set my teacup down right here. Turn my head to, I don't know. Look at the fire. I don't know what the fuck people did. But uh, turn my head to look at the fire. When I turned back, not only was the teacup moved, but it was in the other room and in a closet. Like, weird shit like that. That's a very non-real specific example, but I wanted to give you an example about how weird they were making it sound like. The stuff that's no possible way they could have gotten to in an instant. Also, there was thuds and crashes coming from empty rooms. Now... I did manage to find a couple of quote-unquote real eyewitness stories from the University of Toronto. Let's see, working one night, Hart House Theater manager Paul Templin decided to sleep in his office and asked the security guards not to wake him, not to bother him. Now, sometime during the night, the door swung open and hit his cot. C-O-T, his cot. The door was glass-paned, so he could see that there was someone standing behind it, but the room was filling with smoke. Turns out there was an electrical fire. So he quickly jumps up, gets out. He gathers with the Hard House overnight staff on the sidewalk outside. And he starts saying like, hey, was it you that, that woke me, that saved my life? No, was it you? Was it you? Was it you? He asked if anybody had seen anyone near his office or sent someone to his office. And they all said no. So Paul said, I don't know who the ghost was, but they saved my life. All right, and the next story is, um, let's see, there's an engineering student, Leo Kamatale, 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 I don't know. He was working on an electronics assignment in an old lab in the Wahlberg building. He said that they were completely stumped. They couldn't figure out what was wrong, why it wasn't working, when they noticed a man standing nearby. Now, they didn't recognize him, and he, and then, but the man asked, he asked us what was wrong, and we told him we didn't know. We had, the, we had built the circuit exactly as described, but it wasn't behaving as expected. 
Next thing, next thing they know, the uh, the man said the uh, told the students to kind of like double check their wires. When they did, yep, they found out that one of their wires was broken. So they replaced it. Boom, completed the assignment. They turned to thank the guy, and he was gone. They said no one else could remember seeing anyone that matched his description. Neither of us saw this man again during our time at the university. That's kind of neat. Uh, let's see. Finally, from here in the 1980s. Students held a regular pub night on Saturdays in the basement of Laidlaw Library. One evening at about 1.30 in the morning, the overnight watchman, Barry Breen, noticed the library was in complete darkness. The pub night had ended. Then, at 4 a.m., he looked up from a book, and he said, Oh, my God, all three floors of the library were lit up. So he calls the U, um, University of Toronto campus security or police or whatever and says, Hey, I think there might be a break-in. So the cops get there or security, gets there. They searched the library for a half an hour. They said not only was nobody in there, but both entrances were completely locked and showed no sign of forced entry. So this guy, um, Barry, says, oh, well, maybe the librarian set the light timer wrong. So security said, all right, let's go check that out. And when they went to look, there is no light timer in the library. Light timer. All right, with that, let's go on to the University of Oxford. Now, the University of Oxford is considered one of the oldest universities in the English-speaking world. It opened in 1096. I'm going to repeat that. It opened in 1096. That's crazy. So, yeah, it's had plenty of time to be haunted. Now, it has some famous ghosts like King Charles I, who is often seen in the Bodleian Library, now, this ghost has been known to pull books off shelves and move books from one side of the library to the other. There is also a ghost in white, um, white robes. He's seen walking from the chapel doors across the first quad into the dining hall where he just poof, disappears. Now, he is rumored to be a high priest from the early days of the school. The next ghost that's seen here is William Loud, who is the Archbishop, Archbishop of Canterbury. Well, obviously, I'm sure you guys all went, uh, William Loud? Come on, Kurt. He's the Archbishop of Canterbury, obviously. Well, anyhow, this dude, he was the religious advisor of King Charles I, and good old William was tried and beheaded. But he has also seen the library. We're going to do huge grains of salt time, like salt block grains of salt time because a lot of websites say that good old William's ghost is known to lift his head off of his shoulders, throw it to the floor, and they then play kickball with it. I'm calling BS on that legend. Complete BS. That's like nearly headless Nick kind of shit. I don't buy that one. And I can't find anybody who actually has seen it. It's all just these non-named individuals who just happen to be walking through a library when, oh my God, a ghost. Oh my God, he's lifting his head up. Oh, now he's playing kickball. That's really weird. No, bullshit. Alrighty, then there's a ghost of Obadiah Walker who's seen on Staircase 8 here. I could tell you who he is, but honestly, it's not pertinent. People just see his ghost. It's on a stairwell. Moving on. Colonel Francis Windebank's ghost. He's also seen in the library. All right, I got to pause right here to say, damn, this is a busy paranormal library. Look, if you get anything, take anything from this episode, it's this. If you go to the University of Oxford, make sure you visit the library. And if you see some headless ghost playing kickball with his head, let me know. And then I will, I'll issue a, a retraction. I'll be like, yep, I was wrong. They were right. He really does play kickball with his head. I'm sorry. All righty, let's keep moving on to the world uh, around the world, that is, to Nagasaki University, which has been around in one form or another since 1857. And since it's Nagasaki, one thing probably popped up in your brain. That being the bomb drop on Nagasaki on August 9th, 1945. When it happened, the college was heavily damaged by the atomic bomb. And because it was only located about 500 to 700 meters away from the hypocenter, over 800 professors, students, and medical workers were killed that day. Now, it seems like the college was moved to Omura. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, and I apologize. In September of 1945, following the, the bombing, 
and then to Izahaya in 1946. Now, the old campus, called the Sakamoto Campus, was restored later in 1950, and then it became kind of Nagasaki University. So that's a really horribly done history lesson about the school. But since then, people have heard and even worse, smelled things there. What they smell, you might be asking? Well, they smell burning flesh. It is often reported here. The smell of burning flesh is overwhelming from what eyewitnesses say. They also, they also see ghosts. They're seen walking, but these ghosts walk, then disappear in a flash. And they even hear screams all over the campus. Yeah, that's a, that's a messed up one. I, that's, that's a lot. All right, let's go on over to Scotland, though. Now, this is the oldest university. It's called the University of St. Andrews, with at least six ghosts, including the ghost of a monk who's often seen in the tower. Now, there's also a lady, a lady in white. She's called the White Lady of St. Andrews. So, again, kind of going back to that Lady in White episode, she's seen all over the campus, walking across the grounds, but she's only seen, or not only, but primarily seen in October and November. So if you happen to be visiting the campus of the University of St. Andrews in October or November, keep an eye out because apparently it's a regular, she's a regular sighting. One site said, if you need more impetus to, uh, to go there to look for this lady in white, here you go. One site even said, this lady in white of St. Andrews, the white lady of St. Andrews, she's hot. So... You've got a hot Scottish lady ghost action at the University of St. Andrews. And if that wasn't cool enough, there's even talks online about a ghost piper, like bagpiper, and a ghost ship, which that sounds cool to me. I mean, I want to see a hot Scottish lady ghost, but you throw in a ghost ship too while some ghost bagpipers playing in the background? Fuck yeah, dude. I'm all about that. Okay. So, now we've gotten to the every other one will be an American school or university part of the episode. Let's start our first American one with the University of Montevallo in Alabama. Now, it was founded in 1896 as the Alabama's Girls Industrial School. It has a yearly ghost walk that includes one of the most famous ghosts. Her name was Condi Cunningham. Condi with a D, Condi Cunningham. Now, she apparently was a 1908 student, a student that was there in 1908, who accidentally set her nightgown on fire while making hot chocolate. Sadly, she died from the burns, but they say she haunts the main hall of the school. Sadly, people aren't just seeing her ghost, just like drinking ghost hot chocolate or nothing. Nope. Poor old Condi is seen on fire. Ghost girl on fire. That sucks. You know, like, how how did you spend your afterlife? Was it gliding down a flight of stairs and people would see you every now and then? Oh, no, no. I'm constantly on fire. That is a shitty afterlife. Okay. Off to another one that has a horrible war connection. This time, it's the Heidelberg University in Germany. Now, this one's short, but it's rough. I'm warning you now. Many professors from Heidelberg University were sent to concentration camps, and to this day, people have reported that their old classroom's chalkboards erase themselves and are sometimes covered in odd words. Now, even though the classrooms are locked and no one was gone in, these things happen. I looked everywhere, and I can't find out what the words that are written on the chalkboard. So, you know, grain of salt onto that tail. But if that's true... That's amazing. It's sad and scary. It's terrifying and terrible that it's because of concentration camps, but that's incredible. Now, sticking with the horrific things the Nazis did around this time, many women were brought to the university's medical center to be sterilized as part of the Nazi eugenics movement. Now, to this day, students claim they still hear women women crying and screaming in the university's medical center. And in 1933, Nazis burned books in the university square. And apparently, again, this is another one that has a schedule. If you go around the anniversary of the event, around that time, those who pass through the square 
say they can smell books, like paper burning, leather burning. They smell the, the smells of books burning. Okay, sticking with Heidelberg University, but a different Heidelberg University. We're moving away from the crap, getting over to Heidelberg University in Tiffin, Ohio, or Typhon, Ohio, but I think it's Tiffin. Now, this Heidelberg University has three paranormal hotspots on campus. One, the basement of Willard Hall, which is home to a dark apparition which jumps out or jump scares students and then just disappears. So that's like a prankster ghost. Two, under Founders Hall, there's a series of catacombs in which shadow figures are often seen. Plus, there are all kinds of strange noises that come from the catacombs like... Um, Footsteps, disembodied voices, thuds, bangings, the, quote, sounds of something heavy being dragged across the floor. Uh, let's see. Oh, electronic items are also said to act weird in Founders Hall, including lights, radios, TVs. They're said to turn off and on by themselves, cell phones, uh, doors lock and unlock, the basics, footsteps, whisperings, and empty rooms, you know, cold spots, all of that stuff. And thirdly, in France Hall, the ghost of Ellen is said to be a frequent visitor here. Kurt here. I'm just going to assume they don't mean talk show host Ellen DeGeneres. But you got to admit, that would be really scary to see Ellen's ghost coming at you, kind of like dancing all weird like she does. But I don't think that's the Ellen they're talking about. Okay. According to residents of France Hall, Ellen is responsible for locking students out of their rooms, moving items, moving items around the kitchen, and making strange noises in the attic. Maybe it is Ellen, then. That sounds like crap that Ellen would do. Uh, smoke detectors are also said to go off for no apparent reason here. All righty, back to America. To Bodwin, Bodwan, Bodoin, Bodoin, I don't know. B-O-W-D-O-I-N, college in Brunswick, Maine. Now, this one is the oldest college in, that in, in um, New England, it was opened in 1802, and to be more specific, at Adams Hall, at that college, I'm not going to say the name, students and employees have reported seeing apparitions in the building, and a former custodian even reported being pushed down the stairs by an unseen ghost. The rest of the school has the basic ghost stuff, so let's keep on keeping on to the Philippines. Ateneo, Ateneo de Manila University so wrong, I apologize, to be exact, in the Philippines. It's one of the oldest colleges in that country. This one might be more cryptid than ghost or might be debunked in just a second because a bizarre creature is seen resting by the mango tree at the high school oval area. But here's the thing. Looking into this, I'm going to say there's this like crazy cool black giant parrot thing that's real, but it's known to live around there. And if I saw that thing resting by a mango tree, I would go, holy, what the, what freaking cryptid is that thing? Like, it's crazy cool looking. So, again, it's just my guess. So I'm going to say that's a half debunk on the cryptid thing that's seen by the mango tree. But the school does have ghosts too, like the ghosts of Japanese soldiers, which are seen smoking rolled up cigarettes in the Servini dormitory. Now, it actually makes sense about this, though, because it became a military camp during World War II, and Japanese soldiers would have been there at the time. So it matches the uniforms that they see these ghosts, or, you know, wearing or whatever you want to call it. Okay, now there is a couple of huge grains of salt stories from this school coming up in a second. Now, I don't buy them because there's two versions of virtually the same first story, but here you go nonetheless. Let's see. There's a story about a janitor who was about to close the building. A guard pleaded with him to use the banyo. I, uh, I'm assuming he means bathroom. The janitor agreed, and the guard went to the second floor to use the, the, the bathroom. After the guard left, the janitor checked the room and found it completely messy. They said there were handprints of human excrement all over the, all over the walls. So he immediately is like, what the hell? He goes and finds that guard who says, uh, I didn't do it. And when the guard turned around, he was shocked because there was also a handprint of poop on the guard's back. Second story, again, virtually identical. Janitor, janitor's cleaning the bathrooms. 
about to lock up the building. Guard asks if he can go inside. He can go to the bathroom. He says, yeah, sure, go in. Minutes later, the guard emerges. The janitor double checks the, the second floor room and boom, tiles and walls all filled with human excrement. They go back downstairs, find the guard. Janitor was shocked to find a handprint clearly pressed in the center of the guard's white uniform. All right. Uh, I'm just saying, devil's advocate. Maybe the guard hated the janitor, did all that himself, took his uniform shirt off, handprint straight on the back, put it back on. So if he was caught by the janitor, he could be like, no, I don't know anything about that. And then turns around and the, guard, and the janitor's like, oh my God, there's a handprint on your back. I don't know. That's a shitty story. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Say, so let's see. There's some that say a janitor haunts the buildings. He died when the air was sucked out of the building to clear out chemicals. I don't die that. Um, they said that the stairs are similar to the sacred heart. No matter how hard you try at night, you always end up on the second floor landing. Sure. Why not? That's Gonzaga hall. Uh, they say in Bellarmine Hall, Father Eliazzo is always seen there. They say that there's a portal in the middle of the high school covered courts where there's a report of a ghost in every odd-numbered batch of Days with the Lord. I have no idea what that means. And they say in the Sacred Heart Novidiate no, no building, sure, why not? The story of the stairs is one that forces retreat goers to go around in the safety of groups. Legend has it that late at night, a group of students went downstairs going exploring after the others had gone to sleep. The frightening thing was, no matter how long they kept going down the flight of stairs from the third floor dorm hall they occupied, they could not seem to find the ground floor landing. See what I mean? These are all, uh, let's see, there's also an eerie painting of Christ on each floor landing over and over again. And it's all like, Urban legends to scare kids. I don't buy it, but there you go. All right, back to America. Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. It's a very short one. It's real quick. I'm going to do this quick American one. Boom, back out of America. The former college's president's wife killed herself and haunts the English house doing basic ghost stuff at Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. Boom, back to, back to Toronto. Let's get back to Canada. There is another Trinity College. Like I said, in Toronto, but I think it might be part of the University of Toronto. I'm not sure, though, so I separated it, just in case it's not. It might be a sister school or something. It's very confusing, and I didn't want to really take too much time to go down that rabbit hole because I really didn't care. So the Trinity, Trinity College Chapel has its own ghost legend. One night, a student was playing the organ that is located at the top of the chapel, but kept seeing, like, something moving out of the corner of their eye at the front of the chapel. The student thinks, huh, that's weird, but keeps on playing. But boom, they see something again. Now, this time they see something crawling on the floor up by the altar. So they stop playing and they see a thing, figure or whatever, peeking up at them from behind the pew, then ducking back down when the organ player looks directly at them. You know, the student rightfully freaked out, says, nope, F this, stops playing Phantom of the Opera or whatever the hell they're playing goes and gets the campus police who came to investigate but didn't find anyone else in the chapel. They said, there was only one way in and out. We never saw anybody leave. We don't know what that was. Now, staying in the chapel, they also see a gray lady. Now, she is said to sit in the pews or even wait outside the chapel doors waiting for service. Then she just vanishes. She's also seen walking from the pew to the lady chapel and again, vanishes. Now, so that's it for Toronto. We're going to move on. Now, we're going to move on, though, to the first full debunk part of this episode. So we're going to go back to America for a late-in-the-episode debunk. It's called Night Mute High School in Arkansas. The story is there's a ghost of a girl or a woman or of something that's seen here and this ghost is even seen shooting hoops in the gym. That's right. If you leave a basketball in the gym, the ghost will just start playing. Not the basketball will roll away. Nope. The ghost will start playing hoops, playing basketball. Now, the legend says that there was a grave that was discovered under, underneath room 106. Ever since then, a little girl is said to haunt the school's bathrooms now, she is known to flush toilets, flicker lights on and off. 
do all kinds of ghosty stuff. But, big butt time. There is no credible story ever that has been posted anywhere of a grave being found on campus or under a classroom of Night Mute High School in Arkansas. Didn't happen. There is also no body or ghost or anything from a reputable source from the high school. There are no verifiable witnesses to any of this. It seems like it's a school legend made to scare new students. There is nothing. I can't find any, like, Kurt Sandvig, who, you know, class of 2002, who went to Night Mute High School, said he was playing basketball with a girl who was a ghost, and she beat him. You know, there was none of that bullshit. It was always, well, students say that the ghost will play basketball. Students say that a grave was discovered underneath room 106. First of all, why are they digging up room 106 under room 106? Why were they like, well, fuck it. There, there's a ghost. She's playing basketball. If we got one, we got six. Oh, 106. Let's go there. Let's go underneath it. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, there's a body. There's a grave. Look at that. It's of a little girl. And now for some reason, she's all pissed off, flipping off lights and flushing toilets in the bathrooms. But whatever. No, no moaning Myrtle crap. I'm debunking that one. Sorry. No credible stories. No names of people that went there. No nothing. All right. Last one. Well, last one for part one of haunted universities around the world. What's that? Part one? Yep. I will be doing part two soon. All right. This one is straight up legend time. We're going back to China, just like I said we would at the beginning. Let's go to the Chinese University of Hong Kong, where a woman's ghost is said to be seen often not only at the university, but more often seen on the road to the university. She's a woman in white type ghost, kind of, and she seems to be out for blood. They say that there's a woman with long braided hair and no face and is said to, um, I don't know, attack, pray. I don't know, pray. I'll say pray. She is said to prey on young men who are out walking alone on the road. So they come across this faceless ghost, and they're killed. You already know what I'm going to say. If anybody that comes across this faceless, long-braided-haired woman ghost on the road to the Chinese University of Hong Kong, if they're killed, how are we getting the info then? No idea. But let's stick with the legend for a little bit longer. Legend says that she is the spirit of a young woman who had her face ripped off when she jumped from a moving train right there. And there is a train station at the end of the road, so maybe, but probably not. But here's another Kurt Paranormal tip. If you ever, ever, I don't care where you are, if you ever see a woman that had her face ripped off by a train while you're out walking alone on a road at night, don't care where you are. If it's your, your subdivision street, don't care. But if you come across a woman that had her face ripped off by a train, don't walk up to her. Turn around. Obviously, wet yourself. But turn around and then run like hell away from, get the fuck away from the faceless woman who is going to kill you. Nothing good has ever happened by saying, Oh, hi, faceless woman. Nice to see you. I'm just out walking my dog. No, get the hell away from her. Kurt's tip of the day. Alrighty, with that, that is part one of Haunted Universities Around the World. Stay tuned for part two. Well, don't really stay tuned. Go about your life. And then when I record and release part two, listen to it then. I don't want you to be like, well, Kurt said to stay tuned. I guess I'm just going to stand around. He's going to be releasing it any minute now, Mom. I can't come. No. You go about your life, I'll release it eventually, then you'll listen to it, and then you'll say, oh, I'm glad that I listened to part two. Alrighty, with that, what do you guys think? Did you guys go to a haunted university or school? Did you guys have a school legend of a ghost at your school? If so, I want to hear about them, because I, maybe I'll add it to episode two, or part two. I think that uh, there are far more haunted universities and schools than I have already found. And I've got a lot of them. That's why I'm splitting it up. But 
If you know of any haunted universities or schools, please let me know and I'll add them to the list. Alrighty, once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another Haunted University type edition of Paranormal Almanac. Is this the F1 film number? We are on. This is the F1 film number. What rain? Look what.